Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend some time with us. Listen to what we have to say. Back for the first time in a few weeks, all for good reason, as I was telling you. I didn't tell you why. I'll tell you in a second. But first and foremost, Patty Boyle. PPR is back. What's up, Pat? What up, baby? How we doing, Pete? Doing wonderful. We're back. We're talking on a Monday night, just how we started off the football season. Now we're in the thick of it, also in the thick of life over there. A special congratulations. Rocco Del Piri, you've been a little bit busy for great reasons. Another baby for you. Beautiful daughter to your family. Congrats, buddy. Wow, Pete. What a gentleman. Thank you, man. Uh, Yeah, uh, yesterday... uh, my daughter, born into this world, Emmeline Rose Del Piori, six pounds, seven ounces. Um, it's just a special, a special day, almost as special as watching Greg Williams <laughs> blitz eight like it was Madden 2020. <laughs> so excited to be back. Oh, it was, it's been a long month. Um, that being said, listen to the podcast week after week and just incredible content these two men keep putting oh out. Gosh. Uh rising stars in this game. Stars are ready. Five-star recruits. You you call it what it is. Um Han, you know, Alan Hans going national. Let's just see what these two are doing. <laughs> Peter and Pat. Um, if Boston don't grab you for your picks, we're going we're going straight to the top. I'm proud to be part of the process. Thank you guys. Ready to rock and roll like Bon Jovi. Oh my gosh. Wonderful words from you. As I was trying to give you some love, you just showered it back to us. Uh, but appreciate that, man. You've been supporting us. Now you're right. You're riding us uh, riding along with us. What, what's your famous thing? You're either on the train or you're on the tracks and you, you uh, know it. you're on the train, babe. We're all on this train. We're at the subway sports talk. Wow. How about that? Bring it all full circle. It's a subway. It's a train. I actually have a question. You guys being obviously me and rock are from New York. Pat's from North Jersey. He's basically New York. Jace. We'll give him that. Uh, when you call, you're in Manhattan, you're in the city, right? You get on the subway. Do you say, is it acceptable to just say, oh, I'm going on the train. Oh, I'm on the train. I'll call you back. If, if you said it to somebody, would you make, would you assume that they would know you mean the subway? Wow. Yeah, I, I think I say train to begin with, so. Mm-hmm. But. Is that because we're from, now- like, the we're from New York City? Like, we. Like every train is the subway, every sub, you know what I mean? Like obviously we have the Staten Island train. That's a different situation, but like no one's, no one outside of Staten Island thinks about the Staten Island train or knows it exists. So I don't know. Pat, what about you? You're the Jersey guy here. Technically. If I said, yo, I'm on the train, I'll call you in 10. Would you assume I'm on the subway? What'd you think? I probably wouldn't ask. I mean, I just know you're on a train (laughs) and you're you're either on the train or you're on the tracks. You're going to get from point A to point B. And as our old coach Gluss would say, you get back to point C. That's good. That's point good. A to point B and back to point C. There you go. Now now we're on to point D to talk about the defense of the New York Giants. The segues are hot Look at right that. now on Subway Sports Talk, baby. But, no, we do have a ton to talk about. Uh, circling back to pat ourselves on the back and pat Pat on the back here. Rocco alluded to it. Pat, we were hot this week with the picks, brother. 
Oh my gosh, we were nine and one combined. I have been pretty bad so far this year, and I turned around from going two and three, two and three, one and four, two and three to a five and zero oh week. You have been incredibly consistent. I think it's three and two, two and three, four and one, four and one, and another four and one, if I'm not mistaken. So the picks are hot, Pat. How did it feel watching your picks hit on Sunday? Oh, great, man. You know, again, it's all the hours in the, in the quote-unquote war room paying off, man. All, all the uh, time, spent, time spent looking at roto-wire, you know, watching highlights, not, you know, keeping your ear to the ground, not getting caught up in the media hype and the media storylines that they create, and, and, and just trusting your eyes, trusting what you've seen, watching Red Zone for seven hours <laughs> every Sunday. I mean, you know, we watch, we watch the games for a reason. Obviously, we love to watch, but also – you know, from a financial standpoint, you know, that that's where it pays off. You see the trends, you get to see uh, what a team can be from week to week. And, you you know, you try not to buy into what a team did last week, but their collective, uh, you know, body of work. So, yeah, it's just been paying off. It's been pretty good. Um, and, and just going back to before, I also want to issue, obviously, congratulations to Rocco on the baby girl. Uh, his opening statement, I uh, erect. I'm, I'm erect. Me. <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely fired up. Uh, I'm jacked up. I'm ready to go. And Pete, as we'll touch on very soon, as a part of those picks, I'm also jacked up because woof, woof, baby, the Cleveland Browns finally made everybody eat some crow. I don't know how you guys like it when you got to eat it, served hot or cold, but everybody except for <laughs> you and me, Pete, was calling the Cleveland Browns frauds. Look at them now. Hey, well, I, maybe I did a hedge mentally because I uh, was making fun of Baker Mayfield to you, just kind of like, you know, shooting the crap back and forth about how he hasn't been that impressive. He comes out and throws four touchdowns in the first half. So he obviously shoved it in to my face a little bit because there was also the regression in the second half. There's something to talk about. But congratulations to the Browns, man. Their formula right now is cooking and it's working and they're going to be in the playoffs. And that's damn exciting for Browns fans. Uh, I also, I wouldn't recommend congratulating someone about their baby. And then making a, a joke about the uh, the, the moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you missed what he said, just don't go back thirty seconds. It's better off you didn't hear it. After anyway. the announcement of the baby, him hyping us up. Yes, yes, no, and of course, of course. After that. Exactly. That, is, that was the, the reason for the blood flow. Of course, the, the blood flow. There you go. Uh, that's amazing stuff. And yeah, man, the picks. It feels good for me. I, I mean, I I knew I was due. I didn't know I was that due. 5-0, I was crazy. I was actually a little busy. I'm in the middle of a move right now, so I had to pick up a piece of furniture. So I'm listening on the radio. I'm checking my phone for the 1 o'clock. So I'm like, oh, my God, I might be I might be 3-0 in these 1 o'clock. This might be very nice. And then all of a sudden, the day went on, 5-0, bada-bing. We love, love to see it. But, Pat, not only did your team get a win, non-gambling related, your team, the Cleveland Browns, got a win. My team, the New York Giants, a lot of our team, everyone listening to this podcast, I'm sure there's a bunch of Giants fans out of the listeners here, another huge win. And what an amazing one because you just beat Russell Wilson. And it's not something many teams can say. It's not something many four and seven teams can say. And in this NFC East, as we've talked about all year, where we think it's the Cowboys in the front, the Eagles have the best chance. Oh, the Washington uh, football team's defense is pretty frisky. Alex Smith looks good. It now looks like the Giants, even with the Daniel Jones injury, have separated themselves due to that defense, as Pat said specifically last week, which is elite. And, Pat, you chose those words. I thought it was a strong statement, and it paid off for you, uh, at least this week, right? So, Rock, I want to go to you first because Pat and I talked about this the past couple weeks. This Giants team, even without Daniel Jones, has put on an incredible performance. 
Can you believe that this defense is flying around the way it is? We've said it since week one. We thought their energy and effort was where it needed to be. But we never thought their talent can pull this off. What have you been seeing with Joe Judge's defense here? Uh, that was a statement win on Sunday, boys. Um, Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, doing a tremendous job putting these defensive linemen and linebackers in position to make plays. Uh, they did a tremendous job breaking down the protection and containing Russell Wilson. Um, Bradbury's playing out of his mind. Lockdown corner, as good as there is. Uh, I, I couldn't believe Leonard Williams, three sacks. Uh, he, I think that was more than he had all with the Jets in, in, in five years. So uh, right now you're seeing a team that's connected. You're seeing a defense that's flying to the ball, that's super confident. And, um, you know, we've said this, you know, the entire part, as long as we've been going, that even their losses were credible losses that were close. So they're a tough out. It's crazy to think they were one in seven, and now they're going to potentially host a playoff game, probably against either the Seahawks or the Rams, who who, who they played already in the uh, year and played tough. So the defense is flying around. It was impressive yesterday. Um, I'd like to see them do that a few more times before the playoffs. And, uh, you know, we, we could have uh, another New Orleans Saints seven and nine, you know, winning a playoff game. Why not? Why not? And uh, it's funny that you mentioned that thing about the close games that they played, right? Because we were on this podcast week one, week two, week three, week four, and just going on and on saying, oh my gosh, the Giants could be three and one. They could be four and one. They There was a, a couple moments, like if, if, if the offense made a couple extra plays, if the defense got one more stop, this team could have been a team we looked at, looked at as a big, big surprise earlier. And now we're seeing it and we're saying, oh my God, they're five and seven. They're, they're on fire. They've, they've won what? I think, is it three in a row, four in a row now? Right? Four in a row. So you look back at those games, the Rams, the Steelers, the Bears, and you're like, oh my gosh, this team actually could have been seven and five right now. They could have been eight and eight and four right now. And, and it's crazy to think that, but here we are, and it goes to show that defense wasn't messing around this entire time. They were ready to play from week one of the season, and that's shocking to me. Now, Pat, you you went out on the limb, I said at least, to call them elite, and they show up and back it up against one of the league's best quarterbacks in Russell Wilson. Why did you take such a strong stance? What, was there one thing specific you saw in this defense, or was it just the units uh, of the D-line linebackers and DBs just all being in, in, <coughs> excuse me, in conjunction? Well, really, the secondary has been their their best part of their defense, I, I think, basically since the beginning of the season. Rock, uh, you know, again, man, haven't been on a pod in a month, and you come right on, and you don't miss a beat with the analysis, with the breakdown. So excellent job on your part. I mean, he rocks at it basically perfectly. Bradbury's been the best corner, if not a top three corner in the entire NFL this year. Uh, again, I just want to address everybody saying, oh, did you see that stiff arm from Metcalf uh, against Bradbury? He sunned him. Yeah, the stiff arm in which he got tackled on the play and nearly got stripped. So uh, I just want to put to rest all that because right away, you, you know, it, oh, Bradbury became a meme. Yeah, sure he did. He made the tackle and nearly stripped the ball in the process. Um, but he's been tremendous. Jabril has, getting, has gotten better and better mm -hmm. and better every week. Um, you know, and, and, and again, the other corner, it's Isaac Yadam and, and the trade they've played there. They've been – they're a liability at their other cornerback position – 
And the fact that they still have been able to limit the passing game is a testament to the rest of the members of that secondary. And Logan Ryan, who has been a tremendous leader, the linebacking core has been amazing. And Kyler Fackrell goes down. And what happens? Nico Lalos, a guy who nobody knows as of two weeks ago, comes up with a pick two weeks ago, gets a fumble recovery on Sunday. Blake Martinez has been a pro bowler this year. And, the, and, and like Rock said, Leonard Williams, my goodness, what a season that, that kid is having. He is, put, he is making us remember why he was such a huge prospect. He's got seven and a half sacks on the season now. And again, Rocco said it perfectly. The way that Patrick Graham, who has done an incredible job this year uh, under Joe Judge, it starts with the top with Joe Judge, but Patrick Graham has gotten this defense to hit their peak at the right time here. And Rock said it best. The way that he aligned his defensive linemen and the linebackers, and Darren Rolovsky did a nice breakdown of it. I mean, they had guys at times – one guy down in the three-point stance, two guys down at the three-point stance, and everybody else kind of just standing up floating. You didn't know who was dropping back. You didn't know who was playing coverage. You didn't know who was rushing. And Wilson had no clue when you see two guys drop, and then all of a sudden it was Blake Martinez or it was another linebacker. Uh, I forget who had the one big uh, the one big sack. T, I'm blanking on his name. That's bad. Backup linebacker. All of a sudden, oh, he drops God. back, and then he darts forward, and Wilson doesn't even see him coming, and he gets eaten alive. So just the fact that they were able to do that all game long. Uh, Tay uh, Crowder, nearly, by the way. Tay Crowder, excuse me, yes. So it, it was nearly – and he was what? He was the last last guy taken in the draft, wasn't he? From now, Georgia, now you're asking a lot. I just looked up the box. <laughs> I believe <laughs> I no Tay idea. Crowder was the very last person selected in the draft. Seventh um, round, 255th pick. Yes, pretty sure that's the, that's the very last pick. What's that so, called, Mr. Irrelevant? Yes. So the fact that this kid is making plays now, uh, again, it's everybody. Tay Crowder. Good call, was, Pat. Yeah, it was nearly a flawless performance from the defensive side of the football for the Giants. Absolutely. And again, that's why, and, I, and we've been seeing it better and better and better every week. I, I can't remember the last time they gave up more than 30 points. It might have only been one time this year against Dallas, but they are hitting their stride. At the, at the best time possible. That Dallas game where, you know, it was close, it was back and forth, and uh, Andy Dalton came in and obviously got the last touchdown. They got 37. They did give up 36 to the Niners. That was the one game early where the Niners were still pretty healthy and rolling uh, after MetLife Turf took them out of the season because apparently the MetLife Turf ruined the 49ers season and all. Uh, but, yeah, it was the 36 to the Niners. That was a blowout. Close 37-34 loss to the Cowboys. And then it's been a lot of 17, 17, 20, 22, 25, 23, 27, 19, 17. That's the point totals given up by the Giants over the course of this season. And uh, pretty much they they hold uh, – or sorry, I said tw- I said a couple of those wrong before. They gave 17 to the Eagles. They scored 27. I read them backwards. Um, I've read a bunch of those backwards. Sheesh. Well, some of those point totals were basically enough to beat them. A.K.A. they scored 19 against the Bengals. They gave up 17. They – Scored 17, gave up 12 against the Seahawks. I read those backwards. My bad. Whatever. Um, it is kind of crazy to look at because you look at those totals, you're like, all right, the offense isn't really winning games, but there was a clear turning point in the season where the offense stopped losing them games, where that was looking like a real big issue. Obviously, we've talked almost at nauseum about the turnover issues with Daniel Jones. Will he figure it out? Will he truly be the franchise quarterback the Giants hope he will be? And there's been debate between Pat and I and then Rock and I and Pat and Mule and everybody who's been on this podcast throughout this season. Well, even though Daniel Jones was out this this week, we learned again that protecting the ball, not making the big mistake, might be all this team needs to win games and stay in the game. Now, that being said, Rocco, 
going back two, three weeks now before Daniel Jones got hurt, did you see anything different with Daniel Jones that you liked about him not turning it over? Or was it simply a fact of him being a little more calm, maybe a little bit luckier, and uh, and and just getting it done? Is there something new about this guy that 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 just just happened in the past couple of weeks? Um, I you know I loved how he played down the last two three games. Uh, I think he's growing as a player, and yes, he's more confident. And um, he got his legs involved, made some great throws. Him and Eng- him and Ingram hit it off. Uh, I was gonna say before you asked. Do do they win that game yesterday if Daniel Jones is playing QB? Do they not run I mean, the ball as much as they did and they really established the ground game? Great job, Fire Marco Colombo. But, <laughs> but my thing is Colt McCoy, veteran, experienced, knew what he had to do, limit the turnover. Like I, I they want to play that game. Yeah, it's not, it's not the you know, right. it's not like, the game. Colt McCoy only threw it 22 times. Is Daniel Jones leaving that game with 22 uh, pass attempts? That's that's probably a little bit low for him. They would have won the game with Jones because Seattle's secondary and their defense uh, in the air has been atrocious this year. So I think you would have been able to exploit them in the air. But uh, that's not to take away from the job Colt McCoy did. And, um, you know, uh, I, I was producing for JJ's show on the fan list on Thursday. And I told, and, and one of the callers who I was talking to on, when I had him on hold outed me and he goes, yeah, your producer said the Giants were going to win if Daniel Jones is playing. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, you're nuts. So I was like, oh, you watch, oh, you watch. It might not win with Colt McCoy. They'll probably keep it close. And sure enough, they won. So, um, how about it? But either way, it was, it was again, overall, just a, an incredible performance from a team that has now won four in a row. Now, that being said, I, I just want to float this out there because Giants Twitter is going nuts. Two nuts. We were gonna, like, I was going to get there. Glad you Everybody's are. like, oh, this is 2007. Like, come on. Let, let's take it easy here. You still had a lot more talent on the on the, uh, on the the team in 2007. The offense was better. Uh, so let, let's put it in check. Because if the Giants go out and lose to Arizona, you know, after such a huge step up, then it's like, oh, geez, now we're 5-8. and eight. Now Washington might be in first place in the NFC East, and you might be fighting for your lives again. So – it's got it. You got to stay humble. You got to stay grounded. Great performance. But now, like the Giants coaching staff, I'm sure that they're preaching. Got to look forward to Sunday. I'm actually glad you just went there because it, it, it awoken something in me. And it's something about New York. The Giants have now been good for four weeks. Maybe that's even a stretch, right? They've been good, considered a real threat to win the NFC East for like two or three weeks, probably. Uh, but they've won four in a row, right? That has done. So much for New York sports fans that I swear I think Knicks fans are getting some confidence because the Giants are winning games. I swear. Tell me if you have heard it from one of your friends or on Twitter. Have you seen any of your friends or, or followers or whatever now start hyping on the Knicks? I saw people tweeting, yo, the Knicks can fight for a playoff spot. They're going to be just like the Giants. Like, no, that's not how this works. The, <laughs> the Giants haven't even won anything yet. They're still two games under 500. The Knicks are not good. They're not ready to win. Like, God forbid uh, they can have, like, a nice season where they're, like, a 10th seed and we feel good about them one time before they all of a sudden are fighting for a 7th seed. I mean, I don't know. The confidence that New York got just from the Giants' four-game win streak to me is outrageous. <laughs> and I'm a Giants fan. I'm not going to lie. I look at this team and say, oh, yeah, you're going to end up playing, um, you know, Maybe the the Rams in the playoffs or the Seahawks in the playoffs. Literally, no one in the NFC outside of maybe the Packers and Saints should really scare you. You know, you maybe you get the Buccaneers, the Vikings, the Cardinals. They're all beatable teams. 
They're all beatable teams. So, yes, I'm thrilled the Giants have a good chance now to be in the playoffs. They still have a lot of work to do. And, yes, when they get there, they can win some games. Maybe one, maybe two. I don't know. But to now get this crazy boost of confidence and recall 2007 is a bit much for me right now. Yeah, and exactly because, Pete, think back one year. Who was in an identical position? Who was in the identical position as the New York Giants are right now? What, five and seven leading a division? Not leading a division, but five and seven after starting one and seven and the entire fan base thinking you're going to make a playoff run. Oh, don't do it to me. It was. The New was it York the Jets? Jets? Yeah. The New York Jets started one and seven last year before they ran off wins against the Giants, Washington, the 34 3 win over the Raiders. So it was only three wins in a row. My apologies. They got to, I think it was, so they were, yeah, one and seven. You get to four and seven, and everybody in the world's going, Cincinnati, nah, come on. That's a win. Then we, then maybe we beat Miami, and then we're like, we're six and seven going up against the Ravens. And what they do? They shot the bed. They lost to Cincinnati. <laughs> and, that was, and that was that. So, again, Giants fans, let's rein it in because you go out, you got to go out. You can't get blown out by Arizona on Sunday. Absolutely. And it doesn't really get easier, but it doesn't really get harder either throughout the rest of the, the season here. So I'll read off the schedule. Rock, why don't you call out a game for me? Um, one that you think is their best chance to win out of the next three, and one will be the toughest uh, toughest matchup. So they got the Cardinals at home, Browns at home, and then at Baltimore. Out of those three, because the Cowboys is the last game of the season. That'll be the last one. That one should be winnable, right? So we'll go with the first three. What's the most winnable game or the most important game to win, if you will, at a Cardinals, Browns, and Ravens? Uh, I'm going to say Cardinals, obviously, being an NFC team. You, you beat them if something happens with the Vikings. You might now, if you didn't win the division, you may still be in the wild card where that's went with six and six. You know, that, that now the, the Cardinals are six and seven. You're six and seven. The Vikings are uh, six and six in the picture now. That yeah, so you like that, but um, <laughs> I think uh, you know, I, I think the toughest game obviously is the Browns, um, mm. and we'll we'll touch on that. I know for our boy Patty, but uh, and I, and I'll go down a rabbit hole with them. I, I I love their offense right now. I love their ground game. I like their coaching staff. So uh, toughest game for them, Browns. Most important game for them uh, in division. Uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals who keep disappointing. Mm. Pat, what about you? What do you think? What, what gamers are you looking at there? No, yeah, he's right. You got to focus on Sunday. Um, I mean, this is a, uh, a Cardinals team that is uh, kind of teetering on an all-out, you know, downward spiral here, uh, you know, especially with the way they've lost some games lately. The way they lost that game last week to New England, uh, giving up 21 points in the fourth quarter against the Rams. Uh, they, they are on the brink of an all-out collapse after we thought they were going to be a lock for the playoffs after they upset Seattle on Sunday night football a month back. Now they're 6-6. Six and six. Giants can easily win that game, force Arizona into 6-7, six and, six and seven, and then their season's in complete disarray. So uh, that game is basically going to make or break uh, either of those teams' seasons. Whoever loses the game, in serious trouble. Whoever wins the game, great position to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, this is probably the biggest game of the Giants' season coming up on Sunday. 100%. 100%. Every game from now on is the big, the biggest game of their season. Looking over to Washington, they did just beat the Steelers in a pretty impressive victory where they made uh, Big Ben uncomfortable. The run game could not get going again for the Steelers. 
And um, even though the Steelers' defense, for the first half especially, looked like there was no shot uh, the football team would be getting in the end zone, they found a way. Alex Smith did his thing. Even without Antonio Gibson, who went out, uh, the Steelers are getting a little banged up on defense now. They're back up to Devin Bush. Spillane got banged up tonight. So that was a nice win for the for the football team, no matter how you skin the cat, even though the Steelers, maybe we think they're a little bit fraudulent. Maybe we think they were just due for a loss. doesn't matter. The football team now has three wins in a row, and their upcoming schedule is Niners, Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles. So probably a touch easier on the back end there. You get the Panthers and the Eagles, but still no walk in the park uh, for them. Any thoughts on Washington uh, in comparison to the Giants or just in general before we move on? Just another team playing complimentary football. Um, They're running the ball. They're not turning it over. And, you know, defensively, starting with that defensive line, extremely strong. Uh, They go four dudes deep, Sweat, uh, Allen, our guy Chase Young, and even Ryan Kerrigan. Um, Their four games are tough. They're four NFC opponents. So, you know, you want to win four in a row and game – nine and seven, then we're, then we're talking, they might be in the playoffs, but I think the, uh, I think the giants have uh, a easier route to host in a home playoff game against an NFC West team that could arguably be the second place team. Right. So that's how, that's how sick it is. And, and what's crazy too, just to go on the standings for a second, like a week or two ago, even, you know, two days ago, right before this Sunday, probably right. We wouldn't have ever considered an NFC team, NFC East team, to make it as a wild card. But you look at it how it's like playing out now. You got the Giants and the football team both at five and seven. And yeah, it's tough because you know you have the Rams and the Seahawks, the Saints and the Bucks. But now with that extra playoff spot, you got the Vikings, Cardinals, and Niners who are playing currently as we're recording at six and six or five and six. The Niners can be five and seven. Then you got the Bears, Lions, and football team and Giants all at five and seven. So four weeks left, a lot can happen, and now it wouldn't be crazily shocking if an NFC team, NFC East team, ends up as a wild card as well, which is something that we would have thought was literally impossible every week until like week one or two, probably if you went back that far. So that's wild. Um, but yeah, Alex Smith threw the ball like forty times, which was crazy. Antonio Gibson went out, and that kind of changed everything they had to do. McKissick got targeted every other play. Uh, they, the Steelers locked down McLaurin, and they still found a way to win. Very, very impressive stuff there. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely be talking NFC East. Who knew we would have been talking this much NFC East in a serious manner? After, like, week two or three, didn't we have a conversation like, okay, we'll do, like, a five minutes on the NFC East and, and the Jets every every week just to, like, you know, meet the quota. And now we're talking 25 minutes on the Giants because they're that interesting, and they're, they're possibly going to be hosting a playoff game. Insane. Insane. That's the NFL, though. Uh, let's take a moment, though, on Subway Sports Talk here. Pete, Pat, and Rock, PPR podcast, if you will, to talk about the losers of this weekend, not being the Steelers, but being the Seahawks. An offense with Russell Wilson scoring 12 points. Seems impossible, Pat. You were you were kind of on this. I know it was your only loss on the, on the picks pod this week, but you knew the Giants would keep it close, which is why you tease the Seahawks down. You thought they'd win. Can you the could how would you even fathom how would you take in the fact that the Seahawks could not put the ball in the end zone on Sunday and do you think this is becoming a serious problem? Yeah, absolutely, man. 
And, you know, it was more so the first couple weeks I was going to die on the hill that I stood on with Aaron Rodgers being my pick for the MVP in the first couple of weeks when everybody was. Myself included. I, I mean, you know, everybody and, and with good reason. But let's be honest, you guys, you know, you're on your knees for Russell Wilson. And I and, and again, you know, he was playing incredible football. But I said, just just give it time. I said, just give it time. Because you see when that offensive line has to constantly almost guess as to what side Russ is going to flush the pocket and kind of adjust their blocks, it breaks down. And we saw it culminate in an absolute disaster when defensive coordinators like Patrick Graham and the Giants figure out a nearly flawless game plan to beat him with the way I was talking about before, the way they align the linebackers and the, and the defensive linemen, kind of those sneak pass rushes. The offensive line, if they can't see it coming in time, it's over. And, and even Russell Wilson's not athletic enough to move. You couple that with the fact that he had his entirely worst game of the season. Bad interception, uh, fumbling snaps. You know, he, turned, he threw a pick. He lost a fumble. Uh, and just overall just did not look like Russell Wilson. And he really, in my opinion, hasn't over the last four or five games. You know, we look at, we look at his last five games. He has thrown five picks. He has taken a combined 21 sacks. And, and again, the Seattle offense is just absolutely sputtering right now. But, I mean, yeah, with how much talent they have, it still is uh, very, very confusing as to, you know, how they can't get anything going. Uh, and a lot of it comes down to the run game. You know, they've been kind of going by with a three-back trio at times this year. Carson hasn't been able to stay healthy. At times, DJ Dallas has been the number one running back. So they need to get that run game healthy. I think a lot of Seattle fans right now miss Marshawn Lynch. They miss beast mode, man, because when you had him, that was the perfect compliment to Russ in this offense. And right now they're missing a run game, and it is severely hurting them, especially when you have teams that can devise a game plan to stop Russ. So very, very concerning for me. If Seattle can't find a run game, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to even get out of the NFC. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. And Chris Carson plays probably a bigger role than we would have ever guessed, right? Because – Early on, when that team was really, really cooking, he was healthy and having a year. He was looking good. He's helping in the pass game. He made a nice touchdown catch, actually, uh, against the Giants. The only touchdown they scored, right? Is it that, that? Yeah, that's the only one they scored, right? Yeah. And um, it, it's tough, though, because we, we all had these conversations. We're, oh, we're letting Russ cook. Schottenheimer's finally not just making Russ hand the ball off, you know, 35 times a game. He's letting Russ cook. We're letting Russ cook. And I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I was like, all right, MVP Russ. The narrative is there. The stats are there through five weeks. Thankfully, DraftKings and FanDuel and all these these sport these sports books they let you cash out from time to time. I was actually able to cash out on my preseason Russell Wilson uh, MVP bet. Uh, it was plus eight hundred. I, I cashed out for like plus two fifty. So you know I took it because I knew that the Mahomes Rogers stats were just climbing and climbing as him his were settling and settling. So it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And then also this defense, which has been in question the entire season put in a decent performance, but against a backup quarterback. So you start to think about them as a whole. Their defense has been terrible. Their offense has cooled off. And we're talking about Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, two guys we trust for consistency and always being there when it matters. Now it's looking like they're both very inconsistent as far as the defense and Russell Wilson there. So it's tough. And we look at this NFC West. We talked about them every week for the first five weeks of this podcast during the football season. And we said this division's awesome. They might have four teams in their division better than the NFC East, which still might be true, probably, even though the Giants beat the Seahawks. 
But we, we, we ranked the teams earlier on, and we said, all right, it's the Seahawks, and then who? That's what we said. And now we're having a completely different conversation. The Cardinals have fallen off. <clears throat> the Niners are coming back up a little bit. And the Rams are looking awesome. Are, are we ready to say that the Rams might be the best team in this division? Or is it now just such a shit show that we can't even say? Rock, what do you think? I like the Rams a lot. Uh, the, the Super Bowl hangover's over. Last year, they were, you know, middle of the pack. This year, as a complete as an NFL roster as there is, coaching staff, as good as it gets, McVay. Um, Goff's playing very well. Uh, that that front as well, same thing. The, the secondary, just uh, an elite defense in its own. Um, they're playing with a lot of good synergy on the team, what which, which the Seahawks didn't have yesterday. And I, I think that's how it goes. Their defense plays even better when Russ is cooking because it's an energy, it's a vibe. Russ is their leader. He brings the momentum. He, you know, he makes a big play. Metcalf makes a big play, and then they roll with it. Um, that that wasn't able to happen yesterday. The Rams, um, I think, you know, every week they go into the game, and you have to play their game, which is going to be they're going to pound you in the run game, and they're going to, you know, play right in your face with with some good corners, and they're going to rush you hard. You know, with Don, with uh, Donald and and uh, they're uh, they're pretty interesting because I could see them playing in the Super Bowl in Tampa. You know what? I'm I'm with you. I, I think that defense is that good, and we've seen what the offense can do when they have the run game. Me and Pat talked about the most frustrating teams in the league last week, and the Rams were one of the leaders in that category because of the up and down play of Jared Goff and the offense and the defense being, you know, so freaking good, but. It just not mattering in certain matchups when Goff got pressure in his face. Now, this week, Cam Akers got 21 carries, and we talked about last week them when they had Todd Gurley, they knew what was happening. Their offensive line was still younger, a little bit better probably, and they ran the crap out of the ball and put Goff in advantageous situations. If they can find a way to have enough you know, space, enough comfort in a, in a play-calling setup for a game, in a, in a game script, to hand the ball off 25-plus times for the total of the game, that means they're in pretty damn good shape, and that's even though Goff threw 47 times in this past game. That was because of some different circumstances. Is Cam Akers their guy, Pat? I know Henderson's been their guy at points. He had a nice long run and scored a touchdown. Akers got 21 carries. Can you see him helping steady this offense and uh, really helping out Goff in the long run? Um, uh, You know, again, to be honest, uh, I'm not an expert on on the Rams running back trio. I, That's obviously fair. We I know it's been it it's been Brown, it's been Acres, it's been Henderson. No, because I, you know, because I, I ultimately I wanted to use this to make my point. I think it's less about who's carrying the ball for LA, and more so is their offensive line healthy? Because once they get Andrew Whitworth back at the left tackle position, they've got a top five offense in the entire NFL, and you can see even now without Whitworth. Uh, who is their best lineman. He's one of the best linemen in the league. They're still able to move the ball, running the ball 31 times for 119 yards. This week it was the beneficiary was Akers, who got 21 of those 31 carries. Sometimes we've seen it's been Henderson. Sometimes it's been Brown. Uh, and, and I think, you know, again, to answer your question, Pete, it's not maybe more so who's the guy for the Rams running back. or It's is the offensive line performing well on that day. And most of the times they are. And if they have Whitworth, you know, 
whoever it is on that day, just keep feeding them the ball. Because again, we've seen it be Henderson. It was Akers on Sunday, the 21 carries for 72 yards. He was explosive. He looked explosive. So that's the thing for me. You have to, you have to establish the run game, no matter who it is, whoever has the hot hand has to keep getting it. And this filters right back into what I was talking about with Seattle. Cause I just want to quickly touch on something again. I said, Seattle needs to have a run game. Uh, they did run the ball pretty effectively against the Giants. They had 22 carries as a team for 111 yards. You're averaging five carries a game. They should have ran the ball 31, 32, 33 times. Wilson should have thrown the ball 10 times less because that would have kept the Giants on their toes. Rams took advantage of it. If the Seattle Seahawks executed the game plan as well as the Rams did, they probably would have won the game. And the Rams did it in a tremendous fashion. And again, I'm not completely sold on the Rams, but they're a team that, in my opinion, they're right up there with the Saints as the two best in the NFC. But then maybe, as we're sure, we'll get into it. You got Green Bay. So, again, the yes. NFC is completely up in the air. And we are going to get into it because we're going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, I got a little something jammed up back there. But, no, we're going to get into the playoff picture and talking about the NFC's best, the AFC's best in, in, in a second now. But it's interesting because now the Rams go and play the Patriots. They're home. The Patriots are one of these weird teams now this year where, oh, my God, don't worry. The Patriots, Belichick, Cam Newton's looking good. That was like week two, week three, right? Then Cam gets COVID. All of a sudden, he looks terrible now. He can't throw. He's throwing for less than 100 yards in games, but it doesn't matter. They dropped 45 on the Chargers' heads. Didn't let them score a point. Would you be shocked if the Patriots beat the Rams next week? Because I wouldn't. If that defense just comes out prepared, ready to shut down Goff and the Rams like we saw in that Super Bowl, even though Flores was probably the mastermind as we learned, I, I'm not shocked, right? Like that, That's how crazy this, this year is right now. We just had uh, two four and seven teams from the NFC East beat the Seahawks and the Steelers. Now the Rams are a team we called frustrating for a reason last week, Pat. They put out this great performance against the Cardinals, who we'll talk about for a second, in a second. Now they got to go play the Patriots and show up. And then I'm looking, the last two weeks of the season, the Rams got the Seahawks and the Cardinals. And there's going to be jockeying for seeding, perhaps a bye if the Saints fall off a little bit, maybe. So... A lot to happen with this NFC playoff picture. Rock, give me give me a word or two on the Cardinals. I know you were loving watching them early, but they've seemed to fall apart a little bit lately, and Kyler Murray does not exactly look right. So what's your take right now on the Cardinals and their, and their outlook? Yeah, I was off on that one, huh? You um, know, a lot of people were, man. We were like, yo, they're a Super Bowl contender. Don't get it twisted. Now look. Yeah, it's... It's, you know, that's why they say the NFL, not for long. Um, yeah, Kyla, Kyla struggled. I think it started with that Patriots game that, like, Pat was talking about <clears throat> with what the Giants did to the Seahawks. And you're seeing this as a trend around the NFL and college football, these simulated pressures where make it look like, you know, it's a full house blitz and they're only sending four and they're playing coverage with seven and – they're robbing different zones with different guys. And, um, you know, there's that saying that the Patriots make you play left-handed. So I think uh, uh, Kyler Murray was exposed um, and uh, and they struggled. And uh, he hasn't been able – you know, he got Hopkins that one little touchdown yesterday, but it hasn't been what it was in the beginning. So I think teams are making it uh, a statement. We're going to – you know, let's take him out. Let's uh, Let's try and eliminate him and see what they could do. Um, that being said, 
they get into the playoffs and they could beat everybody, but will they get into the playoffs? That's right. the question. Right. And the Patriots, man, they're an interesting one to talk about here because, man, you look at their schedule. They, they've won four or five. doesn't feel like it because they had, um, you know, the monsoon game against the Ravens where they won. They beat the Jets 30-27. They looked terrible. They looked terrible playing against the Jets five weeks ago now. They lost a close one to the Bills. They lost a close one to Seattle uh, in week two. And and now they're now they beat the Cardinals and they smoke the Chargers. You know, they're a team now where it's like, oh my God, are the Patriots really gonna be in the playoffs again? Because it looks possible, man. And that's that's honestly blowing my mind a little bit. That's one of the tougher ones to re- to really wrap your head around because they're seemingly lacking talent everywhere. And somehow, some way, the Patriot way, they're in the mix of it again. And they're they're gonna be mentioned as we talk about the playoff standings. Um, moving on to the AFC. And let's, you know, we'll, we'll, we talked a lot of NFC already today. Let's start off with the AFC here. Um, the, the way the seeding breaks out now, we have the Steelers and the Chiefs still in lockstep, tied at 11-1 and one now. The Chiefs technically already clinched with their division. So we have from one to, is it eight officially, by the way? Sorry. Seven. It, it's not eight. Are, there, are they considering be, still? If, if they canceled these games, they're about 80% through the schedule. We're in our... Uh, this is the final quarter. There was talks of that, but it looks like they're going to get it in. Okay, so it looks like seven. So, all right, so here's the AFC playoff picture as currently constituted. And then we're going to talk about, first, who we think is the best, who we think is the best of that middle pack, three through seven, and then who on the outside looking in has enough to make a push and then make some noise. So let's start with the top. Oh, I didn't read it yet. Here we go. Steelers, Chiefs, 11-1. and one. We got the Bills leading the AFC East at 8-3. and three. The Titans currently leading, even though they're tied. They just got the, the percentage breakdown tiebreak over the Colts at 8-4. and four. The Brownies at 9-3 and three in the first wildcard spot, filed by the Dolphins and Colts, both at 8-4, and four, rounding out 6-7. and seven. On the outside looking in, we have the Raiders, Ravens, and Patriots. There it is. Let's start with the top, though. Is there a question here, or can we both or all three of us just say the Chiefs are number one, not only in the AFC, but in the league, the, the Super Bowl will go through the Chiefs. Is it that simple? Because it seems like it might be that simple, even though they've had some weird games. They have. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, Pete, Kansas City seems to be playing. their. They, they seem over the last couple of years, they play their best football in December and January. And, you know, they, they certainly don't have an easy schedule to finish. Uh, to finish. They're going to have to play Mule's Dolphins on Sunday in, in Miami. That'll be a hell of a game. They got to play at New Orleans. You could see the return of Drew Brees in that game. Then they, they're at home against Atlanta and against L.A., two teams that are really kind of bottoming it out here as we hit the later stages of the season. Um, if they're fighting for a number one seed, you know, we, we always talk about the classic week 17. Do you rest your starters? Do you try to go for the number one seed if you're there for it? Uh, I think with the way that Pittsburgh has kind of and again, you know, even at 11 and 0, I was thinking this, they were starting to fall off the tracks a little bit. And, uh, you know, they certainly don't have an easy schedule to finish. They've got to play the Browns. They've got to play the, uh, pulling up the schedule. They've got to play the Bills on uh, next week. They've got to play the Browns. They've got to play the Colts. Three games they could all lose. So I do think Kansas City is the best team. I do think they finish as the number one seed. Uh, the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC is going to go through Kansas City again, in my opinion. They've earned it, and they haven't been entirely convincing in all their wins, even especially on Sunday night against Denver. They have won a lot of games this year, 
within seven points. But again, they Andy Reid turns it up in December and January. I expect this team to have the number one seed. I expect them to be playing in the final weekend in January in the AFC title game. Yep. That's what it is. I think that's just the answer, right? Even though they've looked a little iffy on some games, like we just mentioned, they're the best team. And uh, I have this, like, really unscientific take with basketball to make a quick uh, cross-sport comparison here. I always said about the Milwaukee Bucks, it irked me that they blew everyone out in the regular season. It was like they either blew everyone out, they lost some close ones. I'm sure they won their share of, like, close ones, right? But their point differential was, like, outrageous because they were crushing everyone by 15-20. They didn't play a lot of close games. They didn't get punched in the mouth very often. And then both seasons, the past two seasons in the playoffs— the game changes, they get punched in the mouth, and they did not react properly. They did not flip the script and punch them back. And with the Chiefs now, last year, you know, Mahomes was a little banged up and whatever, but when Mahomes was right, they were running through people. Two years ago, his MVP, or was it two years ago, he was going crazy, running through everybody, right? This year, there's a lot of the games where they have to figure it out. Everything's not going well. They need to do whatever the hell it takes to get the win. And they're proving that they can. Whether they're down 14 in the fourth quarter, whether they're, they're you know, only scored one touchdown going into the fourth quarter, it doesn't matter because Patrick Mahomes can blow up at any moment. And that defense, especially if they create some turnovers, can be very good. I think there's no question here, Rock. Is there a question on who's the best team in the AFC? No, it is no question. It's, it's, it's the Chiefs. Um, I'm going to give you a team that could play with the Chiefs in the playoffs. Pat's going to smile. Oh. Yeah, they can. Yes, they can. And, you know, listen, if if Baker doesn't turn the ball over, then that's a game. And um, Look at that. It is. It, I'm sorry. I know the game, and you, I know that time. And, it, yeah, it's going to be in Kansas City. Um, they're going to run the ball. They're going to play defense. They could get after Pat Mahomes. Uh, Let's see if uh, the end's back for for the Browns. It only helped them, but you know, and, and even even uh, the Buffalo Bills, man. I, I I believe in teams that can run the ball and shorten the game. It's the only way you're going to be able to compete with the Chiefs. The Broncos did it last night. Yeah, they limited the possessions. They made plays, and you know they were right there. Melvin Gordon looked all right yesterday. He looked pretty solid. Yeah. And uh, yep. you think about the Browns, I'm glad you brought up the Browns and the Bills because it's very different run attacks, right? You think about the Bills run attack and you initially think about Singletary and Moss. It's like, ah, they can't really figure out who's the guy, who's getting the touches. doesn't matter because one of those guys has to be decent and then Josh Allen is the third running back because he's, right. a, he's a weapon. I know, you know, there's a lot to be made about narrative when he's trying to make sure people think he's a, a pocket guy who can throw and do all the things a quarterback needs to do, which is great. But my dude's also a house, and he also can run through people and make plays with his legs. So that's another element to the run game there um, where, you know, they can really control the game. And then, God forbid, Diggs and John Brown are both healthy making plays. That offense is dangerous. And then also, if you can't stop Derrick Henry, woo-wee, we've seen that story before with the Chiefs running into the Titans when they're hot and feeling good about themselves. So that's another dangerous team, of course. So... Pat, why don't you take this moment to give us your your general update on how you feel about the Cleveland Browns. You've been playing it slow but confident. You're not trying to get too high because you understood the bad weather. Baker's numbers weren't great. 
Miles Garrett was injured, but now he's back. But now you're nine and three. You're looking good, feeling good. What's your current status on the Cleveland Browns? Well, I said I was going to basically go to a 10 if they beat Tennessee. And the way that they beat them, man, I, I went, I, I'm at a 10. I have blown the roof off my Browns fandom now. I am here. I'm with it. I think this team can not only make the playoffs, Pete, I think they've got a chance to beat the Steelers in week 17 for the AFC North crown. Oh, boy. I, lo- I, I love that. We, I, I write you the Steelers' schedule before. They've got to play the Bills. They've got to play the Colts, and they finish with the Browns. The Browns have to play the Ravens. They've got to play the Giants, the Jets, and then, of course, Week 17 against Pittsburgh. If the Browns can, can win two of these next three games, and we're all going to assume they're going to beat the Jets, so if they can either beat the Ravens or the Giants, and they go into the final week at 11-4, and four, you're telling me it's completely out of the realm of possibilities that Pittsburgh doesn't lose to both the Colts and the Bills, and they're 12 and three going into that final game, and Cleveland beats them. They both finish 12 and four, and the Browns, I don't know what it would take to get the tiebreaker, but if they have the opportunity to win the crown with that final week, I'm telling you it's a possibility. And Rock took me from a 10 to an 11 when he said that they could beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. I'm all in. I've bought all in on my Brownies, man. Baker Mayfield seems, uh, you know, for so long and not even so long because he's only in his what his third year it was all right this is our quarterback this is our guy it's our guy that's gonna put us on his back and we found out he's not that kind of a quarterback now they've got the best running back duo in the league they've got a stud offensive line bill callahan yep the idea the additions they've made this offseason to the offensive line getting jack conklin on the right side of the offensive line Joe Batonio has been an absolute beast. Treader's been tremendous, tremendous Treader. So, <laughs> and, and Chubb and Hunt are absolute monsters, dude. And they they they've got the best run game in the league. And Baker has shown us that he just has to play well. You know, you want to throw your quotes on it. He just has to be a man a, a manager. He just has to be a quarterback. You know, a game manager, a system quarterback. But he also showed that he can go out and rip it. And he did it against Tennessee with those four touchdowns in the first half, Pete. So. And we saw how good the defense is when they get Miles Garrett back. The linebacking crew has been awesome. My boy Sione Taki Taki is, is incredible. And again, they beat Tennessee without Denzel Ward too. So Cleveland would have to be fully healthy, yes. They would have to be fully healthy basically all around the field. But if they do, I think this team could make a deep run into the end of the playoffs and get to the AFC title game. I'm there with it. I have taken it there. I've taken it to that level. Let me let me take your eleven and put it on pause before you get to a twelve because I have a question. How nervous did you get in the second half when uh, the Titans basically out like you know they scored or I guess coming in from the end of the first half to the second half they scored what T- uh, twenty was it twenty thirty five it was thirty eight seven and then all of a sudden red zone was going off the chain with the witching hour, bro. Those, those one o'clock endings, <laughs> unbelievable. And then all of a sudden red zone flips back and they're like, well, and Scott Hanson's like, Oh, hold on here a second. Tennessee's going for an onside kick. I'm like, I like spun my head so quick. I almost snapped my neck. I was like, what? And luckily <laughs> Cleveland recovered. We didn't even have to worry, but if Tennessee recovers that onside kick, man, all of a sudden my blood pressure would have went through the roof. But until that, I wasn't nervous because, again, Red Zone wasn't even really following it until uh, Tennessee scored that touchdown. You know, I kind of put the game on the back burners uh, when it was, you know, 41 to, 
like 20 or whatever the hell the score was. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I got nervous right at the end, but again, they have played a complete football game uh, plenty of weeks this season. And the three losses this year to the Ravens in week one, when everybody thought the Ravens were one of the best teams, to the Steelers or 11 and one, and in that crap weather game to the Raiders. They were only bad loss of the year. Other yeah. than that, They've gone out and proved it, Pete. That hasn't been convincing, but we just talked about it. The Chiefs haven't blown everybody out either. So they've gotten themselves to 9-3, and three, and it, my, the sky is the limit for this team, in my opinion. You play to win the game, and that's just what they've done. That's just what they've done. And uh, just to reiterate the point you made a few weeks back now, but it's such a good point because when I sit here and try to be critical of the Browns, which I will do because I like to, you know, you got you to gotta poke the other side. You got to poke the bear. You got to... You know, make sure you're you're grounding out all the thoughts. You don't want to be too, you know, worked up or too ingrained in one thing, right? So if I come out and say, oh, you know, like the Browns' point differential, even though they're 9-3, is still in the negative, and Baker Mayfield, the 8-4 through four in the first half, where'd he go in the second half? All you, you can pick out all these things, but you said it so eloquently and so simply the other day. They're doing something this year that they haven't been able to do in a long, long time. Find a way to win. And it's that simple. It doesn't matter how it looks because now they have something building. And even if this year doesn't lead to a AFC title game, which, you know, would be amazing, but you're not going to, you're not going to write it up. You're not going to chalk it up. It would be great. But even if it doesn't lead to that, this season's already a great success and a step in the right direction. So yeah, there it is. Um, A couple more teams I want to touch on real quick in regards to the AFC. And then we'll move on to the NFC. Uh, We got real hyped up on the Dolphins for a second. It's come down to earth just a touch. Their defense is still really good. They just beat the Bengals with a back quarterback. Who cares, right? Do we really feel like this team has the juice to make a splash? Or are they just going to be a nice story and we're on to them next year and we won't be fooled when they're a competitive organization again next year? Rock, what do you think? Oh, man. Uh, Uncle Mule is going to be real upset with me. <laughs> uh, Give it to him. I uh, I see the Patriots passing them up. Yeah. Mm. Pats are going to beat them in Miami. You know Bill's going to stun Tua, right? Because he does that like he did to Herbert, like he does to all rookies, made Donald see see ghosts. I know he was his second year. He was still like he was a rookie. But <laughs> he, um, so I, I see that as a loss. Um, and now you're talking you're only one game. You know, they got a pretty tough game. They play – who do they play? Why am I drawing a blank here? Who do my Miami's, Miami's got? Miami's got to play oh, the Chiefs this Sunday. Yeah, you just said it. So that you know, we're probably looking at a loss there. So I see the the Patriots overtaking them. Um, if they do get in, I think they're out first game. Um, I think it's a great year for them. They they found their quarterback of the future. They've got draft capital. They've got some really good players. The head coach is awesome. He was ready to fight fight for his team <laughs> yeah, which for real that, that wins him Brooklyn. over <laughs> you yeah you, you know coach Dell was running out at the 50 to fight the mount after you scored the touchdown <laughs> you know how it goes Let's so go. so that's important um i just think two is a year away they're probably a few plays away but uh yeah so that's a I good take right there rock that's a great take i love it and you actually just that answered. I wanted to fight the guy. Or, you know, that, or that, that, no. that too, <laughs> that as well. But I was gonna ask Pat next 
out of yeah. the the teams from eight to ten, who did he like the best to sneak in and make some noise, maybe? And you actually just segued my question and made that answer yourself already. But now I'll give Pat Boyle a chance. From the Raiders, Ravens, and Patriots realm, which is eight, nine, and ten, of those teams, is there one you like to kind of sneak up, get back into the picture, and make some noise? Yeah, before I, I before I answer that, Peter, yeah, yeah. I just kind of want to pile on. I want to piggyback on Rock. I want to pile on Mule a little bit because <laughs> would you be surprised? Answer me this: Would okay. you guys be stunned if the Dolphins lose four games in a row and they finish eight and eight and miss the playoffs? Yes. They got to play the Chiefs. They got to play the Patriots. They finish loss, the year. Loss. They finish the year in Buffalo on the road. Lost. And would you be stunned if they choke it away? The day after Christmas, Saturday night, in Las Vegas against mm. the Raiders. Mm. Yeah, they they might. That's that was the game, and the Raiders are playing for the playoffs too. That's the gonna Jets. come down. That's gonna come down to that game for Miami. But Miami won't rush eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miami won't rush eight. You're yes. right. And I just want to touch on Tua because, uh, again. Uh, you know, I, I've been on the, the Justin Herbert Hill and, I, you know, I was served a bit of a humble pie this week when, you know, he then all around, they looked absolutely got off against New England. Well, other than that, he's still been the best quarterback of the rookie bunch. And, and that's not to say that I don't believe two is a future star. I think he has all the tools to be. But, you know, Mule was getting all the texts in the first half. Oh, you gonna bench two again. When are you going to bench two? And, you know, he was able to lead him through adversity. He was able to lead them through adversity against Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Can he lead them through adversity against the Kansas City Chiefs? Can he lead them through adversity against the New England Patriots, against the Buffalo Bills in a playoff game? I don't think so. I'd be very I, – I would like to be proved wrong on that. I don't think I will. Um, so I think the Miami Dolphins have the potential to finish 9-7. and seven, And like I said, I think they have the very, very potential to finish 8-8. Eight and eight, And in their steed, sneaking up behind them – I feel like we we might. It sounds like we scripted a couple of our answers tonight. But Rock, I'm right there with you, man. Bill Belichick in oh New England. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. You, you can never count them out. You can never count out New England. And we counted them out in Week Six. And look where we're at now. They're six and six. They've won four of five. And their schedule, while not easy, they've got the Jets in Week 17. That is a gimme win. I won't hear anything otherwise. That is a gimme win for them, and that tide can turn if they can beat Miami. That There's two wins right there for New England. They're going to have to beat either the Bills or the Rams on Thursday night. But if they win three of those games, New England's in the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. How about they, that? A lot of, lot of disgruntled Jet fans. Are, oh, the, the Patriots are going to they're gonna give that game to the Jets. Yeah, come and on. I said there's two reasons why that they won't. Number one they'll be playing to go to the playoffs. And number two, Bill Belichick would love to see the Jets go 0-16. That's like a scarlet letter. You went <laughs> 0-16. Yeah. So why would he give that game? You're just, you're just that miserable of a Jet fan. And also, Belichick is so crazily a competitor. He's not giving up any game ever. Even when Cam Newton was out with COVID, they competed. They compete, whether it's, whether it's the most beautiful football you've ever seen or the ugliest football you've ever seen. Their defense is prepared. Their offense, even if without weapons or without a quarterback, they compete, they do their best, and uh, they find a way to be in games or win games more often than not. Absolutely insane that we're all sitting here saying the Patriots might be in the playoffs. 
Whereas a couple of weeks ago, we're like, yeah, they're done. Move on. Is Cam Newton coming back? Probably not. And here we are, maybe a playoff team. Damian Harris, by the way, if you're looking at the Patriots, that dude, I love watching that guy run the ball. It's been very, very fun. Yeah, uh, and P, and look and look who's look who's all healthy. Everybody's healthy for New England now. Myers, Bird, Nikhil Harry, you know, Gunnar Olszewski, or oh, Olszewski yeah. is healthy now. Ran back a punt. Straight the from the ice. The entire running back core is almost healthy. Harris, White, and Michelle. And you've got Stefan Gilmore leading the secondary with the McCordy bros. They are legit, man. Uh, they might not be as legit as the Kansas City Chiefs, but they're all healthy now. And we know it's not how you start in the NFL. And a lot of times, like in the bedroom, it's how you finish. Oh, man. my God. And, and if and if the other <laughs> can finish as well. so. Remember uh, December. That's right. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not the first one to make this comparison at all. But the Spurs to the Patriots, it just makes such great sense, right? Where Tim Duncan finally retires. He was probably old. He didn't move on to a new team. He didn't go to the Orlando Magic like Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. But the Spurs, even still to this past year, they didn't make the playoffs. But before that, the first three years post-Duncan, they were in the playoffs, man. They had their stuff together. They knew what to do. They knew how to prepare. They knew how to out-scheme. The Patriots are the same thing. And it's been 20 years of Belichick leading this team to be more prepared and to be prepared to win games. It's impressive stuff. All right, I think that about does it for the uh, the AFC. We'll go quickly through the NFC here. I will say this, though. Last thing for my boy Mule, at least, to hear this. Dolphins aren't going to go 0-4 down the stretch. They're going to win they one. They gonna, uh, uh, whew, it's tough. It's tough, man. The bill. I mean, he's going to be listening to this. He's going to have the Arthur fist in his, uh, next to his pocket. He's going to be ready to kill me. He just spent uh, hours in an ambulance. <laughs> he spent hours in an ambulance. He's dead tired. He catches the pod at 5 a.m. on his way home from work, working the overnight, and he hears that, and he's like, I got to go to sleep now after that. <laughs> Pat Boyle giving me the business. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle, Rocco Del Pure. We're not done yet. Let's talk NFC. We also, we're going to throw our last words on the Jets because you know what? It's kind of stupid. They didn't they didn't uh, throw a bunch of guys in the bat in the in the end zone, swat the pass down, and win the game. They blitzed the house. Greg Williams got fired. We know the story. We'll talk about it at the end. But let's talk NFC here. And I'll read through the teams like I did with the AFC to give a little bit of a background, and then we'll talk. So starters. We have the New Orleans Saints on a nine game win streak. They're ten and two in first place, followed by the Packers at nine and three. The Rams leading the NFC West at eight and four. Giants NFC East at five and seven. Then we got the Seahawks, Bucks at eight and four and seven and five. And then in the seven, eight, nine, we got um right now a two way tie with the Niners right on the outside. It is the Vikings at six and six, Cardinals at six and six, and the Niners pending a comeback here, I believe. As we record, they're losing by a touchdown or so. Um, they might be five and seven. So, first question, just like the AFC, are the Saints the best team in the NFC? Can we say that comfortably and confidently, or do the Packers or Rams or something like that have something to say about it? Pat, I know the Packers have been one of your squads this year. You've been high on Aaron Rodgers about the MVP stuff. Do you think they have what it takes to be announced by you as the best team in the NFC, or do you like the Saints still? Um, I, I like the Saints as the best team in the NFC in the regular season. We've seen that in the last couple of years, uh, also with the aid of uh, some of the worst officiating calls we've seen in the history of the game, that and you know the Saints usually come up short in the playoffs. But they've been the best team in the regular season without Drew Brees, with Taysom Hill, a guy that 
had thrown what was it four career passes right as of three weeks ago when he first got his first start they're still just chugging right along chug 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 chugging right along the defense unbelievable I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw this stat they gave up a touchdown uh the only touchdown they gave up of the game to Atlanta prior to giving up that touchdown in the third quarter they had gone 42 straight drives without allowing a touchdown wow unbelievable number wow. I, I literally couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it that is how good their defense is and we really don't hear about it enough we hear about Breeze we hear about Kamara we hear about Michael Thomas and how he's punching teammates they've dealt with a lot of adversity this year already and they've come out basically almost beautifully on the other side of it they're 10 and 2 they're ready to get Breeze back in another week or so they're ready to make a playoff push we've seen though in January they have fallen flat and that is why they haven't been the best team in the NFC this season, in the regular season. But if Green Bay can find a way to get to the NFC title game and host at Lambeau, at Frigid Lambeau, not many other teams better in that kind of condition. If they've got to play New Orleans in the Dome, I don't know how much I like their chances. If New Orleans can get picked off and Green Bay's hosting the NFC title game at Lambeau, I still like the Packers to come out of the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. I think we see Packers Chiefs. I I love it. I think that's that'll be great, great fun. And the Packers are another team where it's like there's these weird pockets. If you think back, use use every ounce of your brain. Think back on the individual weeks of this season. There are two weeks in this year where we're like, ah, Packers can't play a physical team. They stink. Like the the Packers ain't got it. Like ah, they got crushed by the Bucks. They get beat by the Vikings. They get beat by the Colts. Teams that have a little bit of physicality to them. You know, they they uh, they did beat the 49ers, which was big for them, even though they were falling apart because obviously the Niners, the history back to last year's playoffs. But then they went in and crushed the Bears. They put up 30 on the Eagles, which defense is actually pretty good, surprisingly. So the Packers might be a team where you say, okay, Saints, this whole thing's been real nice. It's been real cool that you're running the ball with Taysom Hill. He's passing a little bit. And uh, Kamara, you know, he doesn't even have to try hard all game. He's keep him healthy for later because we're winning every game so big. But if, if the Packers' offense puts up points in your defense and smacks your defense in the face the way few teams can, it'll be difficult to, to see the Saints, you know, really put together a big-time comeback. You cannot let the Packers get out ahead. Rock, what do you think about the NFC, or the top of the NFC at least? Does any other team join the conversation, or are you looking at it and saying Saints-Packers for the number one spot? Uh, definitely Saints-Packers for the number one spot. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Packers. Pat's right on the money, like his picks with, uh, you know, with the Packers. If they're home, it's a big advantage than, you know, than obviously playing at the Superdome. I'm going to say that the Bucks and the Rams could easily and, and quite possibly the Seahawks. I know we, we dogged them. Those three teams could could make a run as well. Um, if you asked me to win one game in the playoffs, you're not going to say Tom Brady could do it. True. So, They've got a quarter. This is the final quarter of the season. Um, I forgot who said it. I think it was Pat with December in December. The Chiefs play excellent. These winning ball, these winning ball clubs do. So you'll see now over these next four weeks who's really turning the corner, who saved some good stuff, some good good parts of the game plan to really implement and run with, and uh, who stays healthy, right? And especially Always. in this COVID plagued year. Yep. Um, if you would have said to me in week one that the 
Baltimore would be on the outside looking in, I'd say, yeah, do you mind? And it, it, it obviously it wasn't because of COVID. But didn't, didn't help. <laughs> no. So um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this right now. Playoffs are going to be interesting. Don't be surprised if you see a seven seed beat a two. Don't be surprised if you see a team with more losses than wins win a first round game. Mm-hmm. And don't be surprised if we're looking at the Browns versus the Giants in the Super Bowl. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yo, if that yeah, happens, I'm going oh go God. pack. I'm going go pack go, especially because uh, my son's flag team at his Packers got all the gear. I'll be decked out in the uh, support your troops Packers gear for <laughs> the uh, for the Super Bowl. I love it. I also I just love the idea of you coaching your. How old is your son? Like six. Six. He's three. 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 Jeez, he's playing football. Yeah. He's three. That's my uh, guy. Flag, flag football. It. Oh, it's bad. It's uh, it's a fumble recovery every play. <laughs> Are you on the sideline coaching him up? How's that going? We, we're on the field. You one of the. You, it's me and uh, Coach Cicero. Oh so, yeah, uh, my guy. One one dad will be the quarterback. You give the handoff. And the other dad's moving the kids around. They're lining them up. They're turning the wrong way. They're picking. They're picking. They're picking their nose. It's a. It's a lot like if you went, if you were allowed to go to a jet game these days. <laughs> That's great stuff. Uh, you did say something though very interesting about the the Buccaneers, right? Can you imagine Tom Brady and that team with that talent putting together good performances and winning games in the playoffs? You know what? Yeah, that's a great idea. We have a really bad taste in our mouth right now with the Buccaneers because they lost the past two weeks. They've lost three out of four, but their losses have come to the Saints, which was very ugly, we'll admit, right? Very ugly loss, and they they beat the Panthers good. They lost 27-24 to the Rams. They lost 27-24 to the Chiefs. Are those losses you should really be embarrassed about? That you should say, oh, this team's not good because they lost to those two teams? Now, granted, there's been some other things, you know, within the lines, reading between the lines, that the offense isn't clicking, they can't figure out what their identity is, they can't run the ball successfully, consistently at least. So there's some some things there, right? But they just had their bye. Out of all the teams in the league, it's, it's the last bye week of the year. They got the, the latest bye. And we talked about Tom Brady um, going to a new team, a new system, Bruce Arians, all this stuff, no training camp, all new receivers outside of Gronk. And the defense is really good. We know that, right? So if you think about a team that could have a late push in the last four weeks of the season, why could it not be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team we all thought were Super Bowl contenders, surefire, at different points of the season? They finally get their bye. They play the Vikings, the Falcons, the Lions, and the Falcons. They could win out. The Vikings are getting getting hot. They're looking good, right? So that's a tough game. But they can beat the Vikings, and they can beat the Falcons, Lions, Falcons. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, snap. The Bucks are eleven and five. The Bucks are ten and six. Why did we uh, feel so bad about them at some point in the season? Because they can be just getting started, uh, and if they figure out their identity, maybe figure out how to get Ronald Jones and Fournette uh, consistent, you know, better yards per carry, if you will. They're dangerous, and there's no other way to put it. Even if Tom Brady looks like an old man right now. Yeah, Pete, that's perfectly said. Um, and you know, you saved one of the. The best takes for the end of the show. You I, know, I get we, go. I'm, I'm just like the I'm just like the the Bucks, man. I'm getting going late here. We just hit. Well, no, you, I mean, you you get going early and you sustain, and then you you peak. And you peak <laughs> at the end. So, uh, <laughs> Jesus, 
Yeah, but no, I mean, like I said, we just hit December, man. So you, we still got four weeks left. I mean, it seems like we have played an entire season already with COVID and how many these games getting postponed and banged. But uh, you're right, dude. With how weak their schedule is to finish, they're healthy. Basically, the entire offense is healthy. The line's healthy. If the defense – again, dude, you're, you're absolutely right. I would not be surprised at all. Tampa Bay wins four in a row to finish the year. They're 11-5, and five, playing their best, best football. And right, and then again, we we all throw Tom Brady back into the mix of uh, one of the biggest threats uh, to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, but as with everything else, man, we will see. We will see every time the the calendar flips to Sunday. Absolutely. And uh, just as you were saying that, I, I did a little quick Google search here. I just googled it out of curiosity. What Tom Brady's record is by month, by month breakdown for his career, and wouldn't you know? That a little website called Bucks Wire, uh, obviously we know where they're leaning, but it's a USA Today website, the Bucks USA Today website. They have an article out from June about Brady's record by month, and for December in his career, sixty-three and sixteen, sixty-three and sixteen in his career for December. So we're talking about it. We didn't even know the stat. We just know from remembering this dude. Granted, his record for all months are pretty I was going to say, well, well, how does that compare to like November and October? Uh, November's 50 and 17, so a little bit worse. Okay, okay yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good difference. Um, uh, they have one. It's one of those articles you got to click next slide. No, that's whatever, fine. That's so. fine enough right there. That's the difference of 13 then, wins. Yeah, and then October, he's 16 and 14, and then September, which is pretty close, but then September where I loads these damn slide articles, man, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, 41. Yeah. 41 and 16 in September. So December pretty much his best month. Yep. There you go. That's all she wrote. They're um, going to they're gonna come out firing this week. That's what I'm saying. Off, of, off the bar at Bruce Arians' house. He, Tom's drinking an avocado smoothie. <laughs> Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Arians got a little little glass on the rocks at Crown Royale. Oh, he's such a Crown about Royale guy, 100%. Yeah, they're talking about how they're going to get Antonio Brown involved, who kind of ruined them for a little bit. They, I, uh, they'll be on the Patton P picks podcast this week for sure, dude. Oh dude, what is uh, your uh, this chemistry rock all show long? I was literally about to say I'm ready to do the picks pod right now on Monday. <laughs> give, I don't give a I don't give a damn if we're doing it six days early. Give me Tampa Bay rock. Rock's convincing me on every every point he's making tonight. It's unbelievable. That's, hey, you know what he. He got what would you say, Rock? You got suspended. I had my bye week. You had your bye weeks. You got suspended conduct detrimental to the podcast. And now you're back with the vengeance, <laughs> ready to rip some takes, baby. That's what happens when you, you when you go on IR. <laughs> Come out ready to roll. You were ripping the, the Crown Royale before the bye week. That's what happened. <laughs> well, like, man, we, we didn't hear him making us uh, making a drink this time, crushing ice cubes. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's good stuff. Now that we're all riled up, let's finish up there. So we, we did AFC playoffs. We finished up NFC playoffs. Uh, we, we didn't mention the Rams in the NFC or the, the Seahawks even or the Giants for that matter. In the NFC playoff conversation, we talked about them earlier in the pod. We didn't need to repeat ourselves. But let's finish off here. And Rock, just just give me the thoughts that are going through your head when I ask you to think about the Jets game yesterday. I know there's got to be at least a couple different thoughts that come to your head. So when I say, yo, Rock... What did you think of that game yesterday? Sheesh. What are you telling me? It, it was a, a day filled of emotions. Brought my daughter into the world, holding her in my arms. She's drinking a milk, and I'm rooting for the Jets. But 
I'm rooting for them to lose. And as sad as it is, because I see the light at the tunnel that they could potentially get Trevor Lawrence. Then I'm checking to see the Jaguars and they keep toying with your emotions. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in it they're, these last four weeks. Um, it would, you know, the, the fourth and three, I'm like, oh, they, oh, they didn't get, oh, penalty. All right. Replayed it down. They didn't get it. I'm like, oh my God. And then we give them the ball back. And then I'm like, oh, there's enough time here. I'm like, but come on, you're going to play the sticks defense. You're going to play the, the defend the goal line. Like it's over. And then he rolls out of eight man pressure, <laughs> which you know, it, it would have been a seven man if the tight end or the r- running back released because it was obviously man to man. So um, it was at least the six man pressure. But since both those guys stayed into block, they inserted into the rush. And you've got Henry Ruggs, who was drafted 11 mm-hmm. against Lamar Jackson, not the quarterback, the undrafted rookie free agent, you know, who got burnt. So, um, I was relieved they lost as sick as it is to say. And I'm, you know, it's embarrassing as a fan that I'm rooting for losing. But, um, you know, that was a game, you know, we, we need this first pick. We, to, we're so far behind when we, the, these teams we're talking about. And each one of these teams got the corner piece, the quarterback. They've got the head coach, but the, the depth around them and, uh, there's just too much clouds around the cowboy uh, around around the Jets, and uh, it was disaster. Uh, but having my daughter outweighed that. <laughs> I hope excited, excited. <laughs> we still have our eyes on Trevor Lawrence, but I'm not calling an eight man pressure on a hail mary situation, Pete. You know that I'm no, actually taking out one of my small DBs and saying, "All right, Kennedy, get in here, Pete." God, the ends on here and and you jump up like it's a jump ball and you're like really coach i don't know i'm like just stay in front of the goal line don't let them get in if they catch it let the other guys tackle them right yeah literally i was just saying do i have to tackle someone because then it gets fishy uh yeah i mean it's crazy right the greg williams stuff is obviously a storyline here he did or i should say he has done similar things in the past it's not completely out of character for him to do this he has uh his way of looking at things and oh if you just let him get all these yards, whatever, you're going to give him a better chance to score anyway, so he likes to blitz. It's it's his mindset, and clearly it's insane in that particular situation with that little bit of time on the clock, and it didn't work. Derek Carr said in the post-game press conference, I couldn't believe they blitzed the house. I, I'm thankful they did. I'm so thankful they did because it gave us a chance to win. So that's absolutely insane. Greg Williams gets fired. He gets canned. I mean, who cares, right? Does it really matter? Greg Williams fired now or in three weeks? Adam Gase fired now or in four weeks. You know, I'm not a Jets fan, so I can say this for you, Rock. You're not crazy for wanting them to lose because if they lose out, you get a life-changing quarterback, a franchise-changing quarterback. So don't feel bad about your fandom. You're actually a better fan. You root for them to win while you watch. You say, oh, that was a good play by Sam Donald. I like that. Denzel Mims makes a nice catch. You get excited. But if they end up with the L, that's great. <laughs> that's That's good. That's very good. Pat, do you have any words on this this Jets debacle situation? I mean, who better than from a, a diehard, you know, or a true Jets fan like Rock? So, I mean, he basically hit it on the head. I just, the, the one thing I want to say is I feel like as a Jets fan, it would have been better to have that in-the-moment celebration of like, oh, my God, we won, and then 
like 10 minutes later, like, oh my God, we won. And this way in that cloud over your head the entire season where you're now praying for Jacksonville to win another game. I feel like then you, you wouldn't have that. You'd rather have the way it ended where you're like, oh my God, we might actually win. Like, you're like, you are going to win. And like, you know, you're, just, you're in the moment, the adrenaline. You're not like, yeah, like Trevor Lawrence in the back of your mind, but you're like, we're going to win a game. Like, holy crap. And especially because Rocco said at the time, you're looking at the Minnesota-Jacksonville game. You're like, Jacksonville might win. It might not matter. And then like they give up the Hail Mary and you're, and you're just absolutely destroyed. And then 30 minutes later, you're like, you know what? It's for the best. 30 minutes, 30 seconds. Greg Williams, the sacrificial lamb. While the ball's in the air. Exactly. While the ball's in the air. Sacrificial lamb, Greg Williams, his blood will be remembered, painted on the walls. When Trevor Lawrence can (laughs) grace that locker room at Florham (laughs) Park next year, he was, you know, thank you for your service, Greg. Thank you for the, you know, the Madden Engage 8 Blitz. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, God forbid he was smart enough to put Prashad Perriman or, or you know, Denzel Mims on the goal line to go up and try to swat the ball down. God forbid we, we put our some of our big receivers in there. So, yeah, I mean, Rock hit it perfectly. But yeah. And that's your, again, your former defensive coordinator, former interim coach, Greg Williams. Yeah, and way. he did a great job last year with Cleveland. Uh, last year, you know what? The Jets' defense wasn't even that bad last year. They won seven games, right, or six and games? They were, maybe? yeah. They were eighth. Eight, they were ranked top. They were a top ten defense. Crazy. They went seven and nine. He seems like a guy. More, he, he wears people out, though, right? It seems he like he, he he's so intense. Out. He's so into his thing that you get tired of it. And the players showed it in that press conference. Like he's got. I mean, he's got an ego. And you know, if you're winning, and he's a guy like if he's the defensive coordinator at Tampa Bay, he might he might fit in perfectly. Cause you got the, you got two alphas with him and Arians oh, and I'm sure fight. Arians at the end of the day is, you know, and I'm the head coach, this is my team. And if Tampa Bay is playing well and Greg Williams is doing a good job, like Todd Bowles has done for the most part this year, everything's probably all fine and dandy and you yeah. probably love them. Right. Like, we love them in, like I love them in Cleveland. On hard so knocks, him, him, Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson, man, that was entertainment. Yep. But you get him on a, 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 the worst team, maybe in the history of the entire sport. No offense, rock. Um, <laughs> none, and, none taken, he said. <laughs> and you get him with a, I don't want to be too mean. You get him with a beta head coach like Adam Gase. Yeah. You know, he, he's going to rub him the wrong way. They're going to bat heads. And if he's doing things that ultimately hurt you on the on a big stage, you're going to hate him. And Jets fans, you might hate him for what he did, but I, again, I promise you, if you have Trevor Lawrence next year, you will ultimately think back and say, "Thank you, sacrificial lamb, Greg Williams. You <laughs> helped us get Trevor Lawrence." But. Let me say this. Uh, we should have known the Jets were in trouble when Adam Gaze's press conference. And now I'm not talking the, the bug eyes and the tacos, whatever the, the memes that were right, flying right, around. Right, right, right. I'm talking he never established an identity that day. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to be this. And, and that's just how this team's been and this organization. And they hit fire, yeah, at the end of the year, 6-2 and two last year in a week schedule and um you know you kind of said like oh you know they're, they're gonna be you know i i read the tea leaves i was like oh we're gonna be good this year and then we then we got hit by a buzzsaw by the bills and it's got worse and worse and the mvp of the team was is makai beckton who who struggled yesterday but um we're so far behind it'd be beautiful to get the the head coach right i could do a whole podcast on that who i want and uh Let's get Trevor, but it was fun. It was fun while it lasted with Greg Williams. There you go. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to it. 
You want T-Law. You want Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence in the green and white, and that's just what it is. Maybe maybe Mike Glennon wants uh, wants that job in Jacksonville, so he's trying to get another bag secured. He's trying to win some games in Jacksonville. Maybe he wants Trevor Lawrence in the Jets too. Uh, yeah, that's it. Subway Sports Talk. Pete, Pat, Rock, PPR. That's what it was. I guess we'll do a quick last words if you have anything else. I have something else. That's because I just, uh, you know, intro what we'll do the rest of the week. But uh, any last words for you guys? I feel like that was kind of our collective last words. What do you got? Rock, anything? I just want to, uh, once again, say it's it's an honor and a pleasure to rock with you two guys. Uh, great takes every week. You, you, you're built for this, and it's uh, exciting. Looking forward to the next few weeks and then the playoffs. Pat, anything? No, man. I'm on cloud nine. My brownies, my brownies, <laughs> baby. I'm on cloud nine. Those are my last words. Yes, and thanks, Rock. Kind words. We rock with you. We're all on the train. None of us on the tracks. If you're not listening, you're on the tracks. Stay on the tracks if you're not listening. <laughs> but great stuff. As always, my last words go out to the NBA Outsiders, who will be back this week. We'll get Duff. We'll get Kyle. We'll get Frank. We'll get all that stuff going on the pod this week talking basketball because guess what? Preseason games within a week and the season start is now what? Let me count from exactly where we are. Exactly two weeks away. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Rock, give me give me like 15 seconds on the Knicks right now. Ooh. Um, all right, 15 seconds. 30 seconds, whatever. Uh, I don't no, that's fine. I, I'm excited to see Thibs. I, I want to see us build back some defense. I'm looking forward to seeing Knox. I want to see if he gets I, – I believe he's going to have a good year after his sophomore slump. Still, still, you know, and I would love to pick your brain. Uh, Frank, what's his deal? And uh, I think Obi's going to be a star. I think we finally got it right. Um. Yeah, I think we're going to fight for the 8th seed, baby. You said the 10th seed. <laughs> Yo, you know what? There's excitement. I'm just going to say this. I am already, I am preemptively worried about the minutes and the spread of minutes because you look at this roster and there's a ton of guys who you want to see what they got. And that's the problem because you can't see what Knox got if Bullock, Barrett, um, Rivers, and Burks are all playing 25 minutes. There's just not enough minutes to go around. Or if Obi can uh, play some more wing minutes, not just number, not just four or five minutes, whatever it is going to be. So I'm already worried about the minute spread. It's a tough job for Tibbs because you have to see what like 15 different dudes have in their bag before you start making decisions. Who's getting shipped? Who's getting re-signed? Who's getting cut? All these things are going to be tough. But I am excited as all hell to watch Obi throw down a dunk in the garden, even if there's no fans, uh, as well as some other pieces on this Knicks, on this Knicks team, including Frank Nilakina. That's my guy, Rock. You know, I'm just going to be sad. I'll say this now. I said it before. If he gets moved from the Knicks to a new team, he will be a very successful player on a good team. Guaranteed. His defense is impeccable. His offense is taking slow and steady baby steps forward. He's going to be a good player on a good team. Will he last with the Knicks until his role is actually fulfilled or worthwhile? That's my question there. But, yeah, that's it. Subway Sports Talk. Rocco Del Puri. Pat Boyle, I'm Pete Kennedy. Thank y'all for listening. As always, this has been great fun. We'll be back with basketball this week. Football and basketball next week again. Great, great stuff as always. Thanks for listening, y'all.